I promised you back in November that I would come back to part two of the sermon that I began and, and expressed to you that it would be two parts. We, we were talking about, just to help you remember, the power of intentionality, the power of intentionality. And, and I spent uh, quite a bit of time that, that Sunday in Matthew, the second chapter, I read through 7 through 11, and uh, I'll go back there just to remind everyone where we were a few weeks ago, catch you up a little bit, and then uh, I'll read my text for today. So let me go back to Matthew 2, verse number 7 says, Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, and I had you note that uh, those three words, the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. We spent uh, some time here talking about how uh, Herod was intent on finding out specific details about the Christ child. And one of them was, when did the star appear? He pressed them on this, on this issue. When did you first see it? When, when did you hear that it happened? If you didn't see it uh, initially, who told you? And when, when did this take place? It, it was on and on and on that he pressed them trying to find answers and then he sent them. We, we don't really know how long he had them in his presence as far as uh, this conversation was concerned. But we know uh, eventually he sent them to Bethlehem. Go to Bethlehem and search diligently. I want you to search diligently for this child just like I have diligently questioned you about the details of this birth. So he, he modeled before them the type of intensity that he wanted them to have when they went to find this child. And he said to them, when, when you find him, bring me word again that I, that I can come, that I may come and worship him also. And I spent some time talking to you about how some people want everyone else to pay the price. Some people want everyone else to make the sacrifices, and then when it's convenient, they'll slip in and do their part. He said, you go diligently search him out, you go find him, do whatever you have to do to locate this child, and when you have done that, then send me word and I'll come and worship him. In other words, you go do all the hard work, you do all the heavy lifting, you, you make all the sacrifices, and then I will show up and I'll honor him too. But, but we know that that's not how God likes to be approached, that, that everyone else does the heavy lifting, everyone else does the sacrificing, everyone else does the work, and then we just come in after the fact and say, hey, I feel the same way they do. Well, that's not, that's not evident in the way that we're living. If you felt the same way that they feel, then you would do the same things that they're doing. And if you're not willing to do the same things, then you can't say you feel the same way. So, we, we talked about that, and I'll, I'll move along. When, when they 
heard the king, they departed, and, and the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Herod wanted to know about the star. He wanted to know when it happened. He wanted the details, but he wasn't willing to take the step of faith himself to see it on his own. And, that, and the Bible tells us they heard the king, they departed, they started on their journey, and lo, as they stepped out in faith, the star was there. Some people want to know about the miraculous, but they're not willing to take the step of faith to see the miraculous happen in their lives. There, there's a whole lot to this, and I'm not going to re-preach it all. I'm just going to remind you of things that we talked about. So it stood over where the young child was. When you start seeking for him with with your whole heart, not someone else's whole heart, not someone else's effort, not someone else's faith, not someone else's sacrifice, someone else's level of repentance. When you start seeking Him for yourself, the star will appear, if you will, and the direction will be there to take you where He is. The star went and stood over the young child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is what we read last time. And I, I, I tried, and I hope that you picked it up in the, in the message uh, to show you or at least reveal to you the progression of how things transpired. The first thing that we see in the wise men is that they were sensitive and obedient and they responded when they saw the star. They were sensitive to go where the star was. From there, they entered into the house. When they got in the house, they saw the young child and his mother, Mary, and the Bible said they fell down. The next thing they did after sensitivity and direction was they surrendered. They fell down before him. So that sensitivity and that surrender always precedes what the next step was, and that was worship. The very next thing they did after they fell down was they worshiped him, and then from worship Worshiping him, the Bible said that they presented to him gifts. They opened up and they began to pour out. So we see the progression here that sometimes we think it's just in the giving. It's not just in the giving. You have to go through those steps to get to the place where giving matters. Or as long as I worship, then everything will be okay. But we see that worship preceded giving and it followed surrender. So what is worship if it's not coming from a heart of surrender? So it's the surrender that causes worship to be as valuable and as important as it is. And once you've surrendered and worshiped, then there's no problem sacrificing and giving. Some people have a problem with sacrifice and it's not necessarily sacrifice being the issue, but it could be that worship is the issue. And it may not be worship, it 
perhaps is surrender. And if surrender is not the issue, then it may be sensitivity. So before you can ever get to the place of being a sacrificial, extravagant type of giver that brings gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it starts with being obedient and sensitivity to the things of God. And from sensitivity, it will lead you to surrender. And from surrender, it will lead you to worship. And worship will lead you to sacrifice. Don't get it out of place or giving will not hold importance in your life like it should. You'll always have an issue with giving if, there's, if you haven't crossed the bridge of worship and before that surrender and before that sensitivity. This first step is seeking Him, what Herod did not want to do, seeking Him with your whole heart. He wanted someone else to do that. If we want everyone else to do that for us, we will never know the joy ourselves in what it is to truly have that connection with the Lord. So, so that's, that's what we talked about a few weeks ago, and um, I hope that maybe some of that would brings back to your memory things we talked about, and I said that that I would preach the Christmas message then and I'd follow up with something else now. And, and that's what I'm going to do. So, uh, Barry, I think it's online. Is it online? It's online. So if you want to go back and hear uh, part one, go back and listen to that. It's from November, about the first or second week or so of, of November. So today I want to read a, an additional portion of the text, but I'm going to mark the 14th chapter, mark the 14th chapter, and I'm going to read verse 3 down through verse 9 of Mark 14. So I'll give you a chance to turn there real quickly. If, you're, if, if you can't find it, then hang on. We'll, we'll try to put it on the display behind, and you can follow along there. But the Bible said, and being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, He, as he said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spiker, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. I want you to see in the text that the people who had issue with her sacrifice, they leveled that attack on her. It was a personal attack on the lady. The Bible said they murmured against her. And Jesus immediately comes to her defense. Isn't that awesome about our God that when people start coming against you and level attack against you, he'll always stand up and defend his own. The Bible said, and Jesus said, let her alone. So they're they're attacking her and he said, leave her alone. Why trouble ye her? Why are you saying this about her? Why do you feel this way about her? Why are you attacking her? She hath wrought a good work on me. And he turns the tables here and said, what she did was not about her. What she did was about me. And you've taken a, an, a, made an attack on her when really this did not have much to do about her. It had everything to do with me. 
And he, and he explains that. She hath wrought a good work on me. She wasn't trying to gain your attention. She was doing something to honor me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. I love that phrase from him. He said, she did what she could do. I don't expect any more, but neither do I expect any less. She did what she could do. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. He said, wherever the gospel is preached, her story, what she did today, will be coupled with that, shared with that, and everyone will know from this day forward what she did, and it will be an, a memorial to her. What a powerful thing. So I want to talk to you a little bit today, continuing on this thought, the power of intentionality. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I do appreciate that. What, what, what could fit? I, I don't know that, that she could, could have done anything more that, that would fit perfectly with our title today, the power of intentionality. There's a lot of stories in the scripture, but I don't know that there is a, a story or an example or a passage that would have any more weight or importance as it relates to our subject today than this particular example right here. What she displayed that day was not accidental at all. But, but I would say she was extremely deliberate about what she did. It, it reminds me of the story that I shared with you a few moments ago about the wise men. And I talked about it in the message how one thing that stood out to me in study this year of that story is the fact that the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh were not just things that you could quickly or easily acquire, but they were each things that took time. It took effort. It, it took thought. It, it was deliberate. They, they collected and they mined the gold if you will. They prepared the frankincense. They went out of their way to get the myrrh together. I, I broke each one of those down, explained to you what they, where they came from, what they, they meant. I'm not going to go back through that, but I do want to remind you that the wise men, I, I don't know how long they worked to get those gifts together. I don't know to what length they went to to get those gifts together. I don't know if it was days, weeks, or months, but I do know that they were deliberate about having gifts to give to the king when they eventually would see him face to face. It wasn't something that when the stars stopped over that particular location, they could run by Walmart and pick these things up and say, okay, let's give this to him. We're about to see the king. I, 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 that, that wasn't what happened. They started their journey prepared to honor him. They went toward Bethlehem from all indication prepared to offer him 
a gift. They, they were deliberate. And, and we can say this, intentional. They were doing this on purpose. It was not accidental. It wasn't a last minute run through their mind, let's do something for him. I think that would be a kind gesture. They were prepared and it took them time to prepare. Wise men uh, do not just seek him, they prepare to meet him. Amen. Can I say that to you today and you understand that wise men prepare to meet the Lord. They prepare what they can to come into His presence and honor Him in a way. And so our lives should model this. Our, our lives should be lives that, that exemplify we're preparing to meet the Lord. But we see in the story of this lady and her alabaster box that she was deliberate also. And uh, I think that this is a key. Everybody say a key. It's a key that puts sincere individuals in a position of notoriety in heaven's eyes. If you want heaven to look at you differently, then I'm going to give you the key in how to accomplish that. Always prepare to meet Him. Be intentional about your life. Don't be accidental about your spirituality. Be on purpose kind of people. I'm doing this because I want to please Him. I'm living this way because I want to be prepared to see Him. I do these things not because it's, oh no, Sunday morning, are we going to church or not? No, I plan all week to be here on Sunday. I don't make appointments with the doctor. I don't make appointments with friends. I don't make appointments to have a picnic. I don't allow anything else that could come along to interfere with the fact that I'm going to be in his house when the doors are open. That's intentional. That's living on purpose. I'm getting up today and there will be a time that I set aside to talk to him. I don't want days to go by without telling him how much I love him. That is intentional. That's on purpose. You see what I'm talking about. Our lives cannot be accidental in the area of spiritual things and we expect to have heaven's view, attention. No, if you want to live a life, and I just use this word because I think it's a big word, it's, a, it's, it's important, it's, it's notoriety. If you want notoriety in heaven's eyes, here's the key. Start living on purpose. Start living, start living with intention on your li in your life to please Him. Not I'll get around to it one day or maybe He'll like what I do today and oh man, I accidentally uh, pleased the Lord today. Don't live that way. Live every day like I want Him to be lifted up in my life. I want Him to be glorified out of my life. I want Him to receive all the praise and honor out of decisions that I make and conversations that I have and examples in the way that I live that people can be touched by the life. The Bible said that folks would see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so you have to live intentional. You have to live spiritually on purpose. And when you do that, people will see your life and it will be so different from the way others live that they will glorify your Father in heaven because of the sacrifices and the intention that you live your life with. I think that's incredible when you, when you really try to wrap your brain around it. This lady was living that way. She was living in an intentional way. Some say 
that the value of what she uh, poured out on him that day. The Bible tells us that, that one of the uh, bystanders there who was murmuring against her said, you could have sold that. This was, that, this was the individual's estimation, uh, just probably on the fly. Oh, that's 300 uh, pence worth. That's this, that, or the other. I'm sure you could have. I mean, if, if she would have put it on eBay, she may have gotten more. How do we know it was just 300? Or, or she may have tried Marketplace and it would have been a lot cheaper. I don't know, but I do know one thing that someone was saying the estimation of that is 300 pence, but, but commentators say that, it, that at least one example would be that it was an entire year's worth of wages. Okay? Now, just in the city that we live in, the surrounding area, the metro area, the, 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 the median income for, for families varies by household, varies quite a bit. There are some areas of our metro area where the median income, the home, uh, the income, combined income, would be somewhere in the 90,000s, 96, 98,000 a year, almost 100,000 a year for some median income homes in our metro area. There are other portions of the city that it would be maybe half of that, 45 to 50,000 uh, a year, the median income. It's, it's varied in this, in this metro area that we live in. But when you think of all of that, I, I would just say how many of us in this room today could say in 2019, I'm going to take every dollar that comes my way, every bit of income that comes my way, and I'm going to put it aside because because on, in the Christmas offering next year of 2019, I'm going to give my entire year salary. Okay? One, I doubt that there's anyone in this room that could go all year just living on what you already have. Okay? So, in thinking in these terms, how long did it take this woman to compile that gift. Was it one year? Two? Three? Four? I mean, think about it. Could you take 10% of your income next year, 2019, take 10% of your income and set it aside and say, at some point, I'm going to take all of this and just offer it to him. Did it take her 10 years? Did it take her 12 years? If, if, it was, if, if, if it was just she's saving so much per month? I don't know. I, I'm just trying to throw something out there to you to get you thinking because when I read scriptures and I read stories like this, I have to read in there that it wasn't, they, they, these individuals were no different than you and I. They, they were not uh, living different than what you and I live. They, they were not in another world or an alternate universe and somehow they just fit into the scriptural plan and they were just picked out of nowhere and, and their story is different from all of ours. I'm trying to help you understand if it was a year, a decade, I don't know. Maybe it was something she had been collecting since she was a child. Maybe it was a hope chest. Like, you, you, maybe it was one of those deals that for her whole life she had been putting something away, putting something away, putting something away, putting something away. And then all of a sudden, here it is, an opportunity to take what she had been deliberate about, she had been intentional about, she had been preparing for so long and say, this is the moment when I pour it all out on him. Think about that. 
think of, it wasn't like, oh, it's Saturday. I got to be at church tomorrow. Wasn't one of those kind of deals. She had been for a while preparing. I don't even know that she was preparing. Listen, I don't know that she was even preparing just to give it to him. But she had been preparing for something. She had been intentional about something, looking for the right opportunity to finally come along. And and this story always amazes me because to have this important box with you, imagine, I don't even know if people still do this, but when I was growing up, it seemed like if you had a, uh, what were those things called at the bank? Those boxes? Safety deposit boxes. There we go. Man, my brain today. When I was growing up, people would talk about their safety deposit box. And I mean, you're just like the mystique. It's just like, oh, they have a safety deposit box. And, and you're like, man, I want one of those. When, Morgan, when I grow up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a safety deposit box. And things are tucked away in there that are important. And there's papers in there. And you can just imagine kind of like the Donald Duck deal, diving into all the gold. And you're like, man, the vault, the vault, the vault. I'm going to get to the vault. I'm, I'm getting that they have a safety deposit Can you imagine people carrying their safety deposit box around with them all day, every day about their life? No, they don't do that. It's at the bank. It's behind the bars. It's locked up. It's secured. There's safety measures in place. You don't walk around all day in your life, every day, carrying all of the important papers, carrying all the stockpile of money that you've put up. You're not carrying all those things every day, everywhere you go. But somehow she shows up at a house with that alabaster box of her entire life savings and importance carrying it around. Do you think that was an accident? Not at all. I think it was intentional. I think it was on purpose. I think she took that box out of a place that was secure to say, now is the time. This is the moment. And and we find that she enters into this house and, and there's so much purpose in this. I see, I see so much determination in this lady. She didn't get an invitation that we know. Nobody said they sent out invitations. She received one. Uh, she sent back to RSVC. Yes, I'm going to be there. None of those things. She just, here he is sitting at, at meat. He's there eating and she comes into a house that we don't even know if she has connection there. We don't read where anyone said, well, hey, there's a lady at the door looking for Jesus. Should we let her in or not? No, all we read is he's there eating. She comes in, breaks this box open and pours this stuff on his head. (laughs) Determined. Deliberate. Intentional. On purpose. In other words, I'm not asking anybody's permission. It doesn't matter to me if I'm welcome or not. I'm not concerned with if they want me there or not. All I know is that I prepared something that I'm going to give to him. And whatever I have to do to get in his presence, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Have you ever dealt with alabaster? Anybody in here? I mean, she broke this. We see this in my mind. I see her being extremely deliberate and intentional. And she breaks the box open. No need holding this precious thing anymore because now I'm giving it to him and she pours out all that she has on him and immediately people sitting there say 
I cannot believe that she would do something like this. Why didn't she take all of that that she has wasted now? See, what some people called waste, other people called worship. Huh? This is a waste. This, this is a waste. She should have sold all of that, and she would have, by estimation, 300 pins. And then she could have taken all of that profit and all of that money that she had, and she could have given that to the poor. What in the world is wrong with this woman? And Jesus said, hey, 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 leave her alone. What? Yesterday, yesterday. I, this, is, this is new to me, Okay. It's new to me. Jesus said, the poor, turns right around, the poor you have with you always. But he said, you don't have me always. But the poor you have always. I know, I know, we have all kinds of programs and things that go on, not only in churches and local uh, government and our, our we're going to put this in place and we're going to help that and we're going to, everybody's going to be equal and we're going to do this, we're going to change that and everything's going to be fine and this, 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 this political figure and that program and this effort over here and everything's going to be good and no, no more, nobody's going to be poor anymore. Well, the truth is Jesus said, put whatever you want in place, get any kind of program or person you want in place, invest whatever you can, but the poor you'll have with you always. You'll try to get all that in place and you'll wake up one day and realize you still have poor all around you. I mean, I just said that there are places in this metro area that, that household income is at six figures. But how many exit ramps and stop signs and red lights do you drive through and pass by every day that someone standing out there down on their luck, just need this, just traveling, just feed that, do the other. And we're living in a city where people are capable of making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yesterday, I, I, I got off on an exit ramp, and when I got to the top of the hill, I was about to turn. There was a guy, I haven't seen this before. Um, he, had, he had a, uh, a poster made out of cardboard that he had scribbled in his little sign on there of, you know, what the situation was. And uh, I, there's, a part, there's a part of me that appreciated the honesty, but then there's another part of me that just, that just shook my head because, David, he made it like one of those, you know the books that you open up and things pop up, you know, like pictures for us, you know, the people that enjoy, we enjoy those pop-up pictures. And he had kind of one of those going signs on the side of the road, and, and, and his sign was about, about this long, and then he would fold it down like real quick, no, no, no delay there, just boom. And, and you'd read the sign, and it said, the sign said, we need, okay? And when he popped it together, all of a sudden, the N went away, and a W appeared. And it would say, we need weed. Okay. And he was just walking down, the, walking down and, I, and, and people were just like, what? And he's got a smile on his face. I don't even know if he knew where he was or whatever. But I know one thing, he needed weed. And he was saying that, and, and we, I, 
I, I assume it were the two or three that were hanging over on the side waiting for their turn. or I, I don't know, but he needed weed, and that's, that's what was going back and forth on, on the side of, of the road. We need weed, and I thought to myself, no, you need Jesus is what you need, and, and when, then when you get him, you need a job, and then when you get a job, you need responsibility, and then when you get responsibility, what you should be saying is, I want no responsibility, I want no job, I want a handout, I want everybody else to take care of me. I want to get high and live in a dream world all the time and not face reality. Get a job. We need weed. No, no, you're going to freeze outside. You need a roof. You need a, you need a coat. You, you need some other things than just weed. I'm telling you, Jesus said the poor you have with you always. You, you, could drop, you could drop a large sum of money on, 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 save all your money next year. That same kind of scenario. Take everything that comes in in 2019 and on December the 31st of 2019, go give, I mean, go give your entire income to people that are just all over the streets and all over every light and, and just start handing out, Dave. Just give it all out. And on January the 1st, 2020, you'll drive the same street, the same exit ramp, the same stop sign, the same, are you hearing me? And somebody else will be out there saying, broke, poor, can't make it, hungry, the poor. Yeah, we need weed. The poor you have with you always. Hello? What's that old saying? Poor, what is it? Poor something as poor does. What what is that? Yeah, but poor. Just put just just replace just replace stupid with poor. Yeah. 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 It, it's it's a mentality sometimes. Now, I'm not saying in every situation, but sometimes it's just a mentality that that you buy into and you start living, you just start living that way. When Jesus said to them, You're condemning this woman for what she has done. You have the poor with you always. And you may go give 300 pence worth there, but you're still going to have poor with you the next day. But you're not going to have me. He was trying to, to reveal the power in moments that, that we cannot miss, that, that timing in things that we can't overlook, that we have to act on when we have that moment. She had a moment to say, I, I've been waiting for years. I've been looking for an opportunity. I've been prepared and here it is and so now I'm giving my best to him because I know that this is what I am intended to do but religious people will always have a negative opinion about your lavish acts of worship when you worship God people will have an opinion when you sing people will have an opinion when you clap your hands people will have an opinion when you give people will have an opinion when you're faithful to the house of God people will have an opinion it doesn't matter when you put him first in your life, there will always be people around that have an opinion. And Jesus was saying, don't let their opinion stop you from doing what you feel in your heart to do as an act of worship and expression toward me. Jesus elevated this lady's intention to something that would live on 
past her existence. And so let me point out that Jesus was about all people. We see that in his life. He helped the poor. He touched the needy. In every situation, Jesus was there. So don't think that I'm preaching to you a a, a gospel that says there should be no compassion and there should be no sympathy and no empathy and no effort. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are times when something is more important than saying, well, I helped the poor. I'm glad you helped the poor, but what did you do for the church this year? Well, 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 I, I've been helping people and I gave somebody a ride, but what did you do to cause the church to go forward in the earth today? Because you can feed people and they'll still be lost. You can clothe people and they'll still be lost. You can give people medical attention and they'll still be lost. But when the church reaches out and begins to make a difference in someone's life, you're not just helping them temporarily. You're helping them throughout eternity. You're helping them get ready to meet the Lord. Can I tell you, you can go to heaven sick, but you can't go without salvation. You can go broke, but you can't go without salvation. You can go with struggles in your life, but you can't go without salvation. So when it comes to understanding the, the this Jesus saying to us, yes, The poor will be with you always. He wasn't saying neglect them or ignore them. He was just saying don't elevate what you do for them to the same level of what you can do for me because what I will do through what you do for me will change the world. Not just help the world, change the world. So, So what society cannot do, he can. And he'll do it one person at a time. One individual at a time. Amen. One man, one woman, one family, one child at a time. That's the way he operates. And so uh, he was trying in this interaction to raise their awareness of the moment that they could never regain if it got by them. He said, for you have the poor with you always. And, and whenever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. If you're going to do good, do it now. So I encourage, I encourage you to see that the gifts the wise men brought were gifts that honored his birth, his beginning. It was full of, 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 of frankincense, gold, myrrh, many things of perfume. And here is this lady that comes at the end of his life. They were at the beginning, if you will. She was at the end. And we see in the bookends here of Jesus' life, a gift, an offering of sacrifice in the beginning. And we see a gift and an offering of sacrifice in the end. There's something in all of this that that we're not just making up today. And that is, these were representations of how we should approach Him in our lives, especially in a season like we're in right now. Amen. Some people want to know, why does the church make such a big deal about Christmas? Why does the church make such a big deal about Easter? Because once again, we're bookending His life 
life and telling you there's nothing more important than honoring him in his birth. And there's nothing more important than honoring him in his death. Because without his birth and his death, we would have no life today. And I thank God for what he did. And it comes through people who are willing to prepare. People who are willing to be intentional. Not one time a year people. Not every once in a while Christians. But people who live every day intentional and on purpose about how they honor their God. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. I want to hurry along here and and wrap this up in the next few minutes. He said this about her. He said what she did was a good work. She did what was good. Well, they thought what was good was sell that and give it to the poor. And he said, no, what was good is that she focused on me. See, sometimes we get our focus on everything else and think that because we're focused on helping everyone and everything else, he's happy about it. When really, Matt, what God wants is our attention. He wants us to focus on him. But it's easy for us to focus on everything else that we say represents him and lose focus of him. He said... It's a good work that she did. And, and I, I've got to say this because I, 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 feel, I feel strongly about this. No, no other bill or obligation that you and I are tied to in, our, in the natural can compare to the responsibility that we have in the Spirit to elevate, if you will, our commitments to Him as the utmost priority. Yes, I have car payments. Yes, I have mortgages. Yes, I have just just like all. Yes, I have this. Yes, I have that. But none of that compares to how I need to elevate my commitments to Him spiritually. Yes, we're clockwork when it comes to things in the natural. We want to keep uh, uh, keep our name good and we want to make sure that our uh, ability to, to borrow and the ability to own and the ability to go forward in life. We want to make sure that all that stays on the up and up and, and we don't want any marks against our credit and, and we, don't, we want to be consistent in all of those things. We don't want to be late. We want to be honorable and we want people to view us a certain way. But can I tell you that as important as all of that is, it cannot even compare to how special it is and how necessary it is that in the Spirit we keep raising Him to a level where He He's never been and say, I'm not going to be late in prayer. I'm not going to be late in giving. I'm not going to be late in sacrifice. I'm not going to be late in worship. I'm not going to put up. We don't just say, well, I'll get to it next year and pay on that mortgage. I'll get to it next year and pay on that. But many times in the things of God, we'll say, I'll pray next week. I'll fast next month. I'll do, I'll read the word when I get a chance. Come on, folks. He said, you're not going to have me with you always. Get focused on what matters. And he said, she's done the right thing. She did the good thing in this. She made sure that I was prepared for what is coming, my death. Oh, I love, I love how he points out. And he said this, she hath done what she could. Man, this is, it's, it's, it's equal amount isn't as necessary as equal sacrifice. Okay. So, Justin and David, pastor, God's not looking for the same amount 
if you will. Let me just put it in, in, in monetary things. God's not looking for the same amount from Pastor David and Justin. Because all three of us may be entirely different as far as our wages and income is concerned. So God doesn't say, Janelle, Cindy, all five that I've mentioned, it all has to be the same amount. And if it's not the same amount, you have no place. It's not what it is. He said she did what she could. There were people sitting in that room that day that probably could have done a whole lot more in that moment. I mean, he had disciples who had their own businesses. I, I, don't, know all the, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but maybe there was a family member keeping the business running. Maybe, maybe there was some kickback coming from somebody down the road that said, hey, you're leaving the fishing industry, but let me help you. Can I buy that? For, I, don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know all of their ins and outs, and neither do you. But there may have been someone sitting in that room that, that could have done a whole lot more. And Jesus just said, she did what she could. So what God is looking for out of all of our lives is not equal amount, but equal sacrifice. Yeah, right. Equal intentionality. Equal purpose. Equal effort. Equal deliberate. That if pastor's deliberately living for God, David needs to be deliberately living for God. Right. Not, Justin needs to be deliberately. Not, well, pastor's going to go find him for himself, and I'm just going to show up and feel good on Sunday. No, it's not about pastor being the only one praying. It's about every one of us praying. It's not about one person doing all the giving. It's about all of us doing what we can do. And that's what Jesus elevated there. That's what he said about the lady was she did what she could do. This is what we have to understand in the kingdom of God is what he's looking for is what you can do as an individual. Because when we all do what we can do, everything that needs to be done is done because everyone is a part of the process. Amen. That's why in a minute we're going to receive our Christmas offering. But that's why we give, we give envelopes of varied denomination. We, we, because not everybody can do one thing, but they can do something else. And what you can do, that's what you do. And you know what? Together we see a big difference being made in the kingdom of God because we're apart. Everybody say, we're apart. We didn't, we, didn't wait till, we didn't wait till the 22nd and say, hey, we're going to take an offering tomorrow. We started in November. Why did we do that? Because we want to be deliberate. We want to be on purpose. We want to give people an opportunity to say, I'll put $10 a week. I'll put $20 a week. I'll put a dollar a week. Whatever it may be, I'm going to put that aside because there's coming a moment when I can offer that to him. And it isn't something just off the cuff or just something that, well, there we go. Because that's not, when you say, well, that's what I can do. It's really not what you can do. It's what you can do when you don't prepare. But it's not what you can do. Because when you're prepared, isn't this right, David? You can do a whole lot more when you're prepared. 
you can get a whole lot farther down the road when you're prepared. Is this making sense to anybody? Is this helping anybody? The power of intentionality. Too many people call themselves Christians and don't even know what intentionality and the things of the Spirit means. But God help us to understand He's looking for people who live deliberately and on purpose and make decisions and they, they disciple their life to live that way because out of a discipled, committed, deliberate life, He he receives all the glory. He gets all the praise. It isn't a last minute deal, but we're living every day to see that he is honored in our lives. And there's so much more to that. Amen. And so my, my challenge to you as part of Vertical Church and this being your home is simply this. Do your part. I'm not asking you to do my part. And you're not asking me to do your part. If you did, I'd tell you no. Because I'd say, my hands are full. I'm doing my part. And God didn't call me to do your part. He called me to do my part. This is my part. I'm going to do my part. But whatever your part is, do your part. Because you're part of the same body. And when you're a part of the same body, the body is healthy and functions correctly when everybody is doing their part. But when, not, when people aren't doing their part, then the body is weak and anemic and has struggles. God, help us just to do our part. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor said, do your part. Hey, Justin, Justin, step out. Time to go get the kids. Zeke, would you go get the kids? Let the Sunday school know. Bring the kids in and, and let them get with their parents. Lingering, and this is, this is the beauty of the story. He said, what this woman hath done. Let it be told, wherever the gospel is preached, let it be told as a memorial to her. See, this is, a memorial is something that you build in honor. It's, it's, it's something that you put together to reflect on a, a memory of, of what? Most of the time, sacrifice. You build something to honor the memory of a sacrifice that was made. And so we call that a memorial. He was saying, the sacrifice she made, I want everybody to remember. I want everybody to know that she did her part. And it was a lingering and lasting blessing. How many wants lingering and lasting blessings? I don't want momentary blessings. I want lingering, lasting blessings that just keep, you know, the, the lady just kept pouring and the, the boys kept pouring and the oil kept flowing. Why? Because it was lingering and lasting. Lingering and lasting. That's the way God operates in our life. That you don't have to be an up and down Christian, a feel good every once in a while Christian. He'll keep blessing you every day of the week, every week of your life, every month of your life, every year that goes by. God will look for people that he can cause a lingering and lasting blessing in their life because they're living for him deliberately and intentionally and they found out the key that you just don't approach him any old way. You approach him the way he wants to be approached and you will live in generosity, hallelujah, as a result of God allowing blessings to flow into your life. Amen. Anybody glad that we serve a God that will bless us that way? Amen. This is huge. This is huge. It's huge. It's huge. And it's beyond what I can adequately articulate. God will bless you more than you can ever imagine. Let me tell you this, and then, and then we're going to stand. 
I have pastored people, encountered people, know people that financially they they live and they have abundance. Abundance. And at the same time in the same churches that I pastored, I pastored people who live on fixed incomes, who have very little when it comes to monetary things. And I've pastored people in the same church that have businesses that gross millions of dollars. Millions. And I've pastored people that are just trying to make it hand to mouth, week to week. Had to buy them groceries to make it last till the next check came in. But it would, it would amaze you how many times the people on this end, through consistent, deliberate giving, outgive people that have all this. Because I've seen people that have all of this, but have no clue on how to manage all of that. And the more they have, the more in debt they are. The more they have, the more broke they act. The more they have, the poor, more poor me comes out. And I've seen people over here that would never tell you that it had been a few days since there was anything they could eat. Can I... Can I just help you understand that what God is looking for is people who will take what He's blessed them with and be intentional about it and be deliberate about it and be purposeful about it and make sure that they're not just squandering away the favor of God, but be something in life that God can use to let the kingdom go forward, to make a difference in the gospel being spread. You know what? What are we doing? We're being intentional. We're being deliberate. We're making sure. I can't, I can't make uh, land materialize. I can't make buildings just fall into our lap. But what I can do is prepare for when God does that, that we're ready to take that step. We're a church that lives intentional. We're a church that lives deliberate. We are a body that makes sure we're not just going through stuff like it doesn't matter. And so we help churches get started last year. We help missionaries be able to go back to the foreign feel. We help souls be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were able to do a lot of things because of the sacrificial giving of people in this church. Last year, our Christmas offering was over $20,000. This is not our, this is not our weekly tithing offering. This is not our regular giving. This is our, this is our Christmas offering. And I thank God for 20,000 plus but I look forward to the day when it's 100,000 plus. And I look forward to the day when it's a million plus. People say, can that happen? Absolutely it can happen. You watch what God does when people start saying, it's not equal amount, it's equal sacrifice. And everybody gets on the same page. God starts multiplying things. And God starts causing things to come about that we never imagined was even possible. Let your intentional gift this year for Christmas, let it have the power to set you free next year. Let it have the power to allow breakthrough to happen in your family next year. Let it be the very thing that causes you to 
be set up for unprecedented blessing and favor in release in your next year to come. Give sacrificially. Give what's on the envelope. Go beyond what's on the envelope. You may not even have gotten an envelope. That's okay. Give anyway. Give what God has placed on your heart and know that together, this is not my tithe. This is not my regular offerings. This is a gift of generosity. And the gift of generosity, what wise men brought, and a woman with an alabaster box brought, caused release to come in their lives. Her story to be told and them to go home a different way. <laughs> you want change in your life and you want no give and God will bless you in ways you've never even begun to imagine. Let's stand together.